I had the wonderful privilege. Am I on? Can you hear me? Yes. So uh, during vacation Bible school this week, I had the privilege to, to teach on Tuesday about the plagues in Egypt and God instituting the Passover meal. Then on Thursday, I got to teach about the death and resurrection of Jesus and to help each child understand that he did that because the magnitude of his love for us to take away our sin, which is like a rock or a stone that is heavy and dirty and hard. And that's what sin does to our hearts and our lives. They help us to be separated from God, not able to sense his presence. And as I was preparing to teach that lesson two weeks ago, meditating and praying on it about the death and resurrection of Jesus, it just came over me, so overwhelming, that I, I shared this on Facebook, that when I was meditating on it and thinking about Christ died for me, was buried and rose again to take away my sin, and I have that wonderful gift, I felt like a five-year-old who had just opened the very best Christmas present ever. Couldn't imagine. It's just so overwhelming. Praise the Lord. It's just so wonderful. But today, we're going to talk from Colossians chapter 3. You remember when I started this last time, we talked about the big X at the bottom of the cross. Remember that? Where the buried treasure is, at the foot of the cross, to find the best treasure in life, to know your sins forgiven, and you have the gift of everlasting life, and you can live with the sense of God's presence every day. That is the greatest buried treasure in all of life, in all of the world. It's the very best thing you can ever experience. So once that you have come to the cross, recognize your need of a Savior. Jesus died for your sin. And you can have forgiveness and cleansing and freedom. Freedom to love God that you didn't have when you were lost in your sin. When we come to there, it no longer becomes a buried treasure. It becomes a discovered treasure. Amen? It's a treasure box full. And this book tells you all about everything that's in that treasure box. All the treasures that God has for His people. Those who put their faith in Him. Those who follow Him. Those who respond to His love and love Him back. We have the Word of God to explain to us all this treasure. And it's just so awesome. As we come to Colossians 3, we are shown that there are uh, characteristics that we are to render to death. That's our job, our responsibility. We find out that in Christ we have equal acceptance before God, no matter who you are. There we go. Amen. And then we find that there are characteristics that we need to bring to life. The character of process of developing godly conduct, living in light of the discovered treasure. Have you discovered the treasure? If so, say amen. Praise the Lord. That's why we keep ourselves in this book. In the Word of God. And that's what I shared uh, Thursday with the kids. Once you know Jesus, 
God wants you to walk with him. And you can do that by looking into this book every day to find God's word and God's ways. I think it's Psalm 92, 4. What a blessing it is, O Lord, when you teach us your word and your ways. You will never forsake your cherished ones. You will never walk away those you've called to yourself in your life. Hallelujah. So characteristics, we are to render to death. That which is of our earth, earthly body, our sinful nature. God says, put away sexual immorality. And it means get married and stay married to that person for life. And let God bless you in it. Don't be like the rest of the world who wants to just go and do anything they want. The great uh, hippie revolt in the 1960s. And I'm thankful that God saved me from that. Render to death impurity. Anything that defiles your heart, your mind, your spirit, or your body. God says render it to death. What does this word mean? Passion. It's the compulsion that drives you to excess in anything. We can overeat. We can overdrink. We can overobsess. We have this great technical age, boy. We're obsessed with this technology. You know, I, I love a smartphone. I'm learning how to use one. I'm finding out how dumb I am <laughs> and how smart it is. And I am told there is more power in this little computer than was on that thing that went to the moon in 1969. And we happened to be watching that just six weeks after we were married. But we can be obsessed with anything in this life. God wants us to be obsessed with him. Are you obsessed with God? Are you obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ and the majesty that he is and the immensity of his great love for us? Are you obsessed with that? I am. The day I got saved was a Thursday, just before lunch. On Friday, my mom stopped at the Bible bookstore and bought me a Bible. I still have it. And I started reading that night. And I read myself to sleep every night. So I got home from school and work, and I just raised God's word till I fell asleep. Sometimes I'd wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, reading God's word. I still can't get enough of God's word. I love it, love it, love it, because it helps me to love God. It helps me to love people. It helps us all to know and follow Jesus. Evil desire, put, put to death evil desire. A desire that draws you to something that God declares to be evil. So how do you know the difference between good and evil? Introduced in the book of Genesis. Don't eat of that tree of the center there. You'll become like God knowing the difference between good and evil. And that's a theme that's carried all the way through the scriptures. How do we know the difference between good and evil? You need to know this book. This book explains the difference between what is good and what is evil. God says, render to death evil desires. 
covetousness, which is idolatry. How many of you remember the commercial? There's this girl looking at this couch. Talking to her friend says, yeah, I saw it. Just had to have it. Held up her credit card. Then it fades away in the next scene. This is a guy going to steal her couch. He was telling to his friend, yeah, I just saw it. I just had to have it. That's covetousness. A great friend of mine, an evangelist's wife from uh, Louisiana, she was talking with me one day. What She coveted another woman's purse. She just had to have it. She wanted it so bad. And the woman gave it to her. And she said it was the worst pocketbook I ever had. I had more troubles with that pocketbook, more problems. It didn't give me any satisfaction. And she said, I learned about covetousness, that God wants us to be free from that. Our world, people without God, are driven by covetousness to have things, possessions, lands, cars, houses, Oh, a vacation house here, a vacation house there, all over the world. What is it, one guy has 17 houses? There's one guy on Long Island has a house that has over 100 rooms in it for him and his wife. Boy, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? We're driven. But the Bible tells us a person's life does not consist in the abundance of things they possess, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you have righteousness by the presence of the Spirit of God inside of you, saying, I'm a child of God. I am what I am. I am a child of God. That's what I am. Having peace with God, being justified by faith. Therefore, there's no more Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing in what He's done for us. For all that He's done and all that He is. We sing for Him. We sing for Him with great joy. What is it, the old chorus? There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. Joy that throbs within my breast. Every moment, every hour, as I draw upon His power, there is joy. Joy, joy. And it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? God's wrath is coming, we talked about this week. The wrath of God, the judgment, as we sang, one day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. It says it in the Old Testament. We're reminded of it in the New Testament. When we stand before God, Every knee will bow and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As Lord and Savior with everlasting life or as Lord and Judge sentenced to eternal death and separation away from God. God's wrath is coming. We're reminded. We once lived among that. We were under the control of those when we were without Christ. And then verse 8 shows us, other sinful behaviors render to death. Sometimes we don't like to talk about it. Anger, rage, malice. What is malice? I'll get even with you. 
Trying to get even is malice. When you try to get even, you're taking over God's job. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Let me take care of that. I watched that woman right there get very mistreated twice. And boy, did I ever want to deliver vengeance on those who mistreated her. But I left it up to God and I prayed. And I watched both of them lose everything they had in life. Their jobs, their positions, everything. Gone. Because they mistreated a woman of God who loved it with all her heart. You don't have to get even with people. Let God take care of it. He does a much better job. Slander. To talk about another person so that you make them look bad or not so good. It's also called gossip. God says, render it to death. Don't talk about another person. Obscene talk. Filthy language or filthy innuendos. God says, render it to death. Colossians 4, 6 reminds us of this. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so you may know how to answer each person. And Psalm 119 at the end. Let the words of my mouth and the things that I meditate in my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Ephesians 4.29 Let no rotten, corrupt, useless words proceed out of your mouth, but only words that build up another and show grace to those who hear you. Proverbs 19.11 A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory overlook an offense. Very difficult overlook an offense. When someone offends you, hurts you, makes you angry, God says it's to your glory to overlook it. Grow up in Christ to be stronger than that and not let it affect you. Like uh, Benita's pastor told me, he said, yes, to be a pastor, you have to develop the skin, the sickness of an elephant. Sickness of an elephant and uh, with uh, feathers like a duck, so everything just rolls off. Verse 9 here he says, do not lie to one another because you have put off the control of your sinful nature. You've put on the control of the new spiritual man in Christ. Ephesians tells us, speak the truth in love so we may grow up into Christ who is the head over all things relating to the church, which is his body. One of the toughest things we know have to learn how to do is to speak the truth in love. Caring enough to confront another and say, you know what? That's not good in your life. Very difficult. We like to say, you know, you're doing something bad there. You need to quit that. So we, we get a condescending attitude. And God doesn't like that. But he wants us to admonish one another in love. Speaking the truth in love. Because he loves you. 
share the truth about Jesus and how they can walk with God in freedom and authority. Now we turn to verse 11. We have equal acceptance before God. God has no regard for ethnicity or social standing or ability or gender. We have equal standing, but different roles. Man has a different role than a woman. Husband has a different role than a wife. Children have a different role than parents. A worker has a different role from the business owner or the boss. And the boss has a different role. Spoken of in Ephesians 6. Showing what to do. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 5 and 6. How do we fill our roles in obedience to God? Pastor has a different role than the people. The pastors are shepherds and pastors are sheep. Isn't that interesting? Dual role. I'm a sheep, but I'm a shepherd. Wow. Let you read around that one. Elder, deacon, churchgoer, leader, governor, all have different roles designated by God through the Word of God. But we have equal acceptance in the presence of God. Because God doesn't show favoritism. Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius was calling and asking, he was of the Italians, you know, and he was seeking the face of God, doing great things for God, building a temple or, or tabernacle. I guess it was a synagogue. I get it right. But God sent Peter to him to let him know God is no respecter of persons. Now we come to verses 12 to 25. Characteristics we are to bring to light as we live in light of this discovered treasure. Because you are God's chosen one. When you come to know Christ by faith, you find out God chose you. No man comes to the Father except I draw him. God draws us to himself because he loves us and he wants us to respond by faith to trust Jesus. And when we do, and he lets us know, you are God's chosen person. God chose you. He chose you in eternity past, before you even existed, because he promised everlasting life before the world ever began. And it's through all who respond by faith in Christ Jesus. Because you are God's chosen one, put on compassion, sympathetic pity, or concern for the sufferings of another. Compassion. You ever seen a child run across a gravel parking lot, fall down, hit their hands and knees? And what did happen? Oh! Or you saw someone fall and hurt themselves? Someone fall off a bike? Oh! That's compassion. Feeling the pain that they're feeling. Identifying with them. Caring about them. That's compassion. And that's what God wants us to have for the people of the world. People who are without Christ. To have compassion on them. Have compassion with God's people who are suffering. That's why we spend time in prayer. 
that God would comfort them. God would come near them. God would help them. Putting on this character of kindness. Seeing a need and helping with it in tender, loving way. That's the kindness that God shows to the people of the world. And this word that's translated kindness is a unique word, and it usually relates to just the way God is. What he wants us to become like he is, because God is kind to all people. He makes the sun and the rain to come upon all people because it's his provision for the people he has created. Put on humility, the opposite of conceit or pride or self-centeredness and not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Humility and then meekness. Gentle, easygoing, not demanding, not expecting to get something else and not overbearing. Meekness. Best illustration I ever heard was meekness is I know I'm a pretty strong guy for 70 and a half years old. I can, uh, I can wrestle most of these young people and bring them to the ground. I can do that because I'm a well-trained wrestler. Ask my 40-year-old son when he was angry having a tirade. I just grabbed him, wrestled him to the ground, and put him in that lock hold, and he could not move. And I held him there until he stopped fussing and fuming and got tired of fighting. Now can we talk? Can we talk and help him work through his anger? But knowing that strength and not using it, that's meekness. Knowing who you are and what you are and not using it to be overbearing but to be gentle and humble. Perseverance. Stick-to-itiveness. Good old King James. Long-suffering or suffering long. And uh, one, of the, one of the commentators put it this way. How many of you have ever been short-tempered or knew somebody that was? Well, this is the opposite of short-tempered. It's being long-tempered. So I was preaching a sermon once talking about be angry, do not sin. I used to have a fuse that long. Now I have a fuse that's about this long. But I still have a fuse. <laughs> Romans 5, 1 to 3 says, Tribulation produces perseverance, persevering character. So how do we learn to be persevering? Having troubles, learning to be long-suffering through them, patiently waiting for God to bring us through it. Amen? And he does. Then he says, this, bearing with one another, standing together, much like a bearing beam in a house, or right in this church, or in a tunnel. The bearing beam that holds up the weight, working together. We bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Then verse 13. Maintain a forgiving spirit. If anyone has a quarrel with someone else, be forgiving in the same way 
that God forgave you in Christ. And notice the word is forgiving. It's the ING word. It's called an infinitive, which means ongoing, continuous action or practice. Staying in the process of forgiving. Maintaining a forgiving spirit. Not holding something against another person. To forgive someone for a wrong experience is to love them. To forgive is to forget it and act as if it never happened. To forgive is not to hold something against another. To forgive is to bury it under the blood of Christ and let it be cleansed and healed. To forgive is to let go of the emotions of an incident that keep you hurting or angry or leery of another person. That's how your feelings can be healed and become honoring to God and free to love God and to love like Christ loved. Because Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And then he said, if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. If you want God to keep you in the process of forgiving your transactions, the bad things you do, as with the boys and girls thought, those things that we do that we know are wrong. Well, if we want that forgiveness with God and that freedom and that cleansing, we have to be giving that to everyone else the same way we have received it from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility to live that way, living in light of this discovered treasure. Amen? And then verse 14, put on genuine God-like love, a love that chooses to give to another and to serve. Ephesians by one tells us by love, serve one another. And Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that he should lay down his life for his friends, brothers and sisters. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Isaiah 32 says the result of righteousness is peace. And the effect of righteousness is quiet confidence forever. Why? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Because you were called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. As much as lies within you, live peaceably with all people. In James 3, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make for peace. God wants us to be a peaceful people. To be at peace among ourselves. Then to be thankful. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Then one of my favorite verses, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In every form of wisdom and understanding. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God in your hearts. Your spiritual growth and maturity will be in direct proportion to your time spent with God and his word. Number 17, the result of that, whatever you do, whether it's a speech or indeed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Notice thankfulness, thankfulness giving thanks. Verses 18 to 20 talk about submissive, loving, and gentle in family relationships. 
Then verses 23 to 24. Whatever you do in life, whatever you're doing in life, whatever you're occupied with doing, do it as if you were doing it for Jesus himself or with Jesus walking beside you. Whether you're doing dishes, schoolwork, taking out the trash, engineering, doctoring, teaching, changing diapers, fixing a car, playing on your iPad or your computer or cell phone. The truth is, while you're doing those things, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't think of that. We need to be thinking that way. Whatever I'm doing, I'm serving the Lord Jesus. Then verse 25 reminds us of accountability. For we must all appear before the accounting seat of Christ to receive appropriate reward for what we have done in our body, whether good or evil. And nothing in all creation is hidden from the sight of God, but everything is laid bare and open to the eyes of him to whom we will give an account. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. As we live in light of this discovered treasure, there are some characteristics we need to render to death. We need to remember our equal acceptance before God, and there are godly characteristics we need to do as we do everything as unto the Lord. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Whoever misleads the upright into an evil way will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will have a godly inheritance. A rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man has, who has understanding will find him out. When the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Blessed is the person who fears the Lord always. But whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So as we seek and walk in light of this revealed and discovered treasure. Just remember, we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.